Hey everybody, welcome back to an extra special episode of Swedenborg in Life. This is our question show where we take what you guys ask and we spend the whole hour talking about it. This is the awkward part where Kara is here, but I haven't introduced her. And I'm just talking to the camera, so where is she supposed to look? Let's end that part. I'm going to go through my guests here. This is Kara Dom, Latin consultant for New Century Edition. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm Curtis Childs. Whatever. Uh, and so, New Century Edition, that's the new translation of Swedenborg's works. It's the translation we use in our show. Without her, there would be no show. And without these two, there would be no show. Over here we have Jonathan Rose, series editor of the New Century Edition, and Chelsea Odner, who works with us on the show at the Swedenborg Foundation. You guys know them. They've been here for the other shows. Let's, let's, let's end this charade. We, we know they know who we are. What we're supposed to do is, is talk about stuff. So the, the aim of today is to answer questions. We have some that our audience has asked leading up to this because we get comments that, that aren't live, but also you who are watching live, get your questions in and we'll be pulling those in as well and answering ones uh, from the chat room. So if you're on YouTube, get those in. It'll be great. All right. You guys feel ready? Let's, yeah. Let's get to our first question uh, and, and see what we got. This is from Stefan or Stefan. If I am just getting into Swedenborg, what would you suggest that I begin with? And why? I think it's a special question because not so long ago it felt like nobody would ever ask about Swedenborg. You know, like, <laughs> what should I ask about Swedenborg? That's been the coolest thing for me in doing this. It used to be I knew about Swedenborg, like six and a half other people knew about it, and then nobody wanted to know about it. But now we got people asking, so let's give them a, a good answer. And we'll, let's, uh, let's start this way, Cara. Do you want to, what, what would you suggest? Uh, there's so many answers to that question, depending on what your interests are. Mm -hmm. um, Heaven and Hell is the first one Swedenborg published, and that one's a great one if you're interested in the life after death concepts and yeah. making that more of a real thought. And that um, is the most popular yes, book, too. Yes, bestseller, right? Mm -hmm. um, New Jerusalem and its Heavenly Teachings is a great one if you're looking for the sort of... Uh, standard religious topics because it just goes through them all in just a couple of pages and gives you the nuggets of uh, Swedenborgian ideas. Is that one coming out soon? Or did it already come I out? think that is coming soon okay. in the New Century Edition. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Not to plug that or anything, but okay. <laughs> and if you're more of a philosopher type, maybe Divine Love and Wisdom or Divine Providence are good places to start. Um, and they, they tie into big pictures about existence and things like that excellent well that i mean that's pretty good do you guys want to try to top that <laughs> the only thing i could add is that we did a video a while ago called who was swedenborg what should i read and uh, that has links actually embedded in the video where you can go to it and we mentioned the same books that Kara mentioned we also mentioned secrets of heaven volume one if you're into the bible mm -hmm. that's a great one that gives you exposes you to swedenborg's idea of the bible and also how it relates to our own personal spiritual growth um, so it is, it, it's a, there's quite a bit that he wrote. And so it is good to pick some place that aligns with your interest when you're starting. Yeah. And let's, let's give him some behind the scenes value. I mean, we shot that with you right in this room. That's true. In front of the green screen that we shoot our show. And that way we had you up there on our same rig and everything. That's but right. that's on the Swedenborg Foundation's YouTube channel. That's Chelsea, right. do you have anything or have we exhausted that? No, but my... Kara got them all. All right, yeah. that's good. That's good. Well, we're going to be saying that a lot tonight. Kara got them all. Okay, so Stefan and anyone else who's interested, hopefully that's helpful. Let's take a look at the next one. 
This is Sam. I was listening to Who or What is Jesus. That's an episode we did some time ago of this show. Since God is Jesus in the outward form and went through birth to death, and you guys say all things follow in order, Swedenborg does not write about us being anything before birth on earth, but yet we have Jesus as God before birth. Mm. Can you help me with this? And Mm. I'm going to say... Jonathan, you were the guest on that show, weren't you? <laughs> so wasn't. why don't you just like take this one away? Um, the, the, so from from what I understand, Swedenborg says there's a pattern in everything, right? So we're we are patterned after God. However, if Jesus Christ is the person of God, there was God before that. So does that mean there was something of us before we were born? I don't, I'm interested to hear. Yeah. So yes, enlighten me. Um, Swedenborg does not, uh, as far as I know, support the idea of sort of our pre-existence. The question is right in in um, saying that. Uh, so you know, he believes that we start at conception, and then as we breathe, our consciousness begins, and so on. Uh, uh, and that's where we get our start. The thing that's so remarkably different between Jesus and us is that his soul was divine. And divinity cannot be divided. It can't be mm. subdivided. You can't have a part of it. With with us, we are really a vessel that receives life. And so you can make a whole bunch of different vessels that receive life. So everyone has their own finite soul. It's remarkable, but you still have your own finite soul. So we come into existence. But divinity couldn't. There's no way to no, be like if you had something that stretched to infinity in all directions. How would you cut it in half? Right. There's no way, you know, it's everything, it's everywhere. And um, so that's what was in his soul. And so that's quite a different condition than, than what we go through. Mm-hmm. Does it, any other thoughts on that? Because if not, I have a few. I have a thought. Yeah, then do it. Okay. Thank you. Um, just that um, going along with that, there's, or I just think of the, there's a passage in, is it in a psalm? That before you were in, were in the womb, I knew you. Mm-hmm. It's and, somewhere. And that... Um, you know, in this life in earth, we're experiencing time and space and there's the appearance of time and space in the afterlife, but there isn't, it's not quite the same thing. So I just, it's hard to fathom what will consciousness of our unique selfhood be like, not in this world. You know, will we have a sense of, was there ever a beginning or an end to us? You know, the fact that our existence is a sort of a gift from God, our consciousness comes from God, then even that sense of just being is something we receive from God. And so maybe, I don't know, you know, maybe on the other side, it'll feel a little bit more like, oh yeah, that makes sense or something that like we existed, you know, there wasn't a pre-existence, but is there a way to be conscious of ourselves outside of time and space? Is there, is yes, there a pre anything? we haven't experienced that yet. Yeah. Swedenborg makes this interesting claim that to the divine all time is, is present. And there right. has to be... There has to be a something before us because Swedenborg says there can never be two people who are exactly alike. If if that's true, there has to be like at least a spot of potential you that's that's already marked up. Nobody else can park in this space. You know what I mean? Uh, if he says the the heart of divine providence is there's a specific place prepared for us in heaven or in the grand human. Right. So he, it must be that even before you're there, like what you are is a, exists as a potential, right? So I, whether or not there's any consciousness attached to that, there's, there's something so that God can just go ahead and make all these people without worrying, when am I going to run out of people? He's, he's got some sense of like, 
what slots he's filling. Or so. But right. it's a great question, um, and so we'll say if we we'll score who who wins each question. We'll say he won that question, but we, <laughs> but we gave it a good shot here, you know, because we didn't have a quick. Swedenborg says this about it, you know. So okay, o, o to one on that one. Great, great job. All right, next one. Sherry, YouTube, does Swedenborg say stuff about why it's hard to remember what it's like in the spiritual world? I still remember, but it's hard. Is it just because of the nature of Earth? So it sounds like Sherry is speaking from uh, an experience that she had. And Cara, do you have any thoughts on what that, what, what's the reason behind why, why is it difficult to pull memories between? Well, I think she's right. Oh. Assuming it's a she, it is, is it just because of the nature of Earth? The, the the nature of spiritual reality is so different than the nature of earthly reality. The first thing that comes to mind with that question is that quote in the Bible that where somebody says, "My thoughts are not your thoughts." Um, right. I guess it's God or Jesus yeah. or somebody like that who's saying that quote. Somebody big, you know. yeah. <laughs> um, and and Swedenborg talks about how. An angel can say in one word what we can't say in, I forget, hours or days, or for, I forget exactly mm-hmm. what his mm-hmm. thing is. So I just, I just think it's, it's like comparing apples and oranges. We're just not very awake in this world to the vastness of spiritual reality. Absolutely. Any, more, any other thoughts? I don't um, see uh, near-death experiences and things like that as being mere dreams like you have at night but even with mere dreams we have trouble remembering them when we wake up mm. because they're often in a different language so you say well it was my house but it didn't look like my house and so and so was there but they didn't look like them and it, you know it's speaking a different language and often 20 minutes or half an hour if you record your dreams and then listen back to them even the next day you don't remember what you're going to say next sometimes because I've it's never done that it's so, <laughs> hard, <laughs> it's so hard to pull down what the you know it's in a different kind of language. And so I think the uh, Swedenborg talks about the heavens as having different levels of consciousness to them. And we we have different levels of our mind. He says the rational mind is higher than the what he calls the natural mind or the earthly mind. And then there's stuff that's all the way down by your senses. And, and uh, so depending on which level we're in, we have more access or less access to those kind of memories. But I think... That Paul says in Second Corinthians that he was lifted up to the third heaven, or he says, "I know someone who was," and everybody thinks he's talking about himself. And he heard ineffable things, you know, things you can't even put into language. So I think it's like that when you have that experience, it's hard to pull it down to this earthly mindset. You know, right. it, it is difficult, but it's not an intrinsic limitation. We can be in elevated states sometimes where that's more accessible and we can be in more exterior states where it's less accessible. Yeah, great. Chelsea? Um, It's just reminding me of the show we did on sensing your spiritual body and there were some quotes in there about um, the orientation that our mind can have. And so when we're just caught up in our day-to-day life, this thing, physical universe and matter is just distracting to our inner spiritual senses and so he talks about the value of withdrawing the senses or taking time sometimes where you just you know maybe it's in the form of meditation or or maybe it's simply sort of a practice of reflection in whatever you're doing to just sort of turn within sort of reorient yourself to you know what's going on that isn't just this external stimulation and that that um 
that needs to be something that we consciously do or else it is just when we're oriented this way all the time. Yeah, you're not going to be able to remember or be very conscious of, you know, inner spiritual things that might be there for you to be aware of. But so because it's, it's, you know, it's a different language. I would um, my wife was saying. I, I can't remember what was in my dream, but I remember the feel of the dream. Yeah. Even in dreams, we are sort of speaking that language, that there can be things communicated to you there. And I think you guys will recognize this story, but it's from Swedenborg. And stop me if I get any facts wrong, but he was talking to a spirit or an angel. And he said to the angel, um, right now we're using natural concepts to talk to each other because I'm a person. Go go talk to your friends, mm. your spiritual friends, because he would go, go talk to these other angels about something spiritual, and then try to bring that back and say it to mm-hmm. me. And the, so the angel went off and they had a discussion. And he brought it back to Swedenborg and was like, I can't, I, I can't put that into these words. So it could be that Sherry, you know, you had this experience that that was even if it some of it fell into rational concepts is was so spoken in that spiritual language that now that you're you're lucky enough to be back here with us where it's like <laughs> everything is natural rational it's hard to it's hard to remember that language so those are a few thoughts um did we win that one i think we tied i mean that's <laughs> that pretty yeah actually no we, we did okay we did all right okay thanks sherry let's look at the next one Mark, is Swedenborg saying only humans experience a continuation of life in the spiritual world and all other living things don't? That's my favorite question to get because there's not a very good answer to it. <laughs> well, because Swedenborg, well, actually, I, I don't want to, that's not fair. I don't get to just talk first. Does somebody else want to <laughs> start this question or do you want me to start it? And if I don't hear an answer in like two you and a half start. seconds, I'll say I, I can start. Okay, so Swedenborg does not, you would think, I go home to my house and my dog is there. And when we're making dinner, he barks at us because he wants food, even though we just gave him food. And that's like a little bit annoying. However, you'd, I'd want him to be in heaven with me, you know, like I would like to see him there and we could walk and he wouldn't have to be on a leash because he wouldn't. We know he wouldn't go after any other dogs or anything like that. So that's what you're looking for. Swedenborg doesn't come out and ever say, oh, yeah, animals are they, just like us. They're they're evolving to the next thing. I will say that. My grandmother, who's a, a long time, lifelong Swedenborgian, she thinks that um, everything is a correspondence in this world. So you have animals being a correspondence of various affections. So it's almost like animals are a physical manifestation of this spiritual phenomena, whatever their underlying essence is, and that we meet the animals here, you can meet their soul, you know, the real them in, in that world. So maybe that's how the whole thing works. But I imagine there's got to be some good answer there um, about... Do, do other things continue in the same way? Because, and I want you guys to say something about what life is, you know, or, or whatever you were going to say. So, um, uh, JSR, do you want to go next? Yeah, well, I, I had a foolish thought at one point about what if every, you know, mosquito or mite or gnat or something, yes. you know, you'll have clouds and swarms, you know, if they all, sort of overwhelming to think of all those things going on in the spiritual world to because eternity. But if I can interrupt, because, yes. because nature uses this technique of producing mass quantities of young right. to, and only a few survive. So if you did, you would have vast, vast quantities of these smaller animals. How, where would they all live? What would that balance? How is it manageable? Okay. Yeah, okay. that's right. And so generally when people pose this question, I think they're thinking more of mammals, you know, beloved pets that they have and, and that sort of thing. Um, Swedenborg does say that it's the human ability to contemplate God, to, to love God, to, and, and to really reflect 
and that kind of thing that uh, gives us the capacity for eternal life. And so he does express that animals are in a different state. Uh, in a way, he describes it. He says that animals' perfection is their imperfection, and our imperfection is our perfection. Hmm. Uh, animals, you know, some animals that are half an hour old know how to run, how to do everything. You know, they, they're, they're very able. They're so much more powerful, clear-sighted, better here. You know, like they're better in every way than, than people, and they really are, what Swedenborg says, is they're in the order of their lives. So I think they have this kind of a oneness with with the the world of the spirit and all that. Mm -hmm. And Swedenborg says that they're directly influenced by the by the spiritual world. Um, our imperfection is that it takes us years and years and years and years to grow up, and um, you know. But that's because we have this unending capacity for mm -hmm. growth and in, in knowledge and love and compassion and so on. Not that animals don't have uh, feelings or things like that, but um, uh, the other complication in it is that Swedenborg says that in the spiritual world, your thoughts and feelings manifest as animals around you. Yes. And they're a reflection of your thoughts. So it's hard to even tell. Am, am I thinking you or are you, you know, mm -hmm. like what's inside, what's outside? And only when they reflect do they notice that, oh, that's an embodiment of, of that thought that I've been having or this feeling that I've been having lately. And it's neat to think about animals that way to me, whether... Their consciousness transition, you know, how does the consciousness thing work? Yes. I don't know how, how that works. I, the life that's in everything from God is just absolutely astonishing. Yeah. So I wouldn't put anything past God. Yeah. But, you know, okay. that's so, sort of w the gist of what Swedenborg says as I read it. Plug for, for God. Yeah. That is smart. Uh, Chelsea, do you have things to think about on that? Um, maybe. Let's see. Um and all other living things don't have a continuation of life in the spiritual world. Yeah. There certainly are those things. I mean, everything, all animals, plants, there's all kinds of that stuff in the spiritual world. Is it like a one-to-one -one ratio? Right, you know? right, yeah. Right. And I liked what you guys were saying about that, yeah. Mm. And my, my only reflection on it was just sort of what you just said of like the value of this diverse world that we live in is the living together with these different species and you know in just a you know symbiotic way you know like there's a there's such a value to that and so it's it would be silly to think that heaven was just sort of like a bunch of humans sitting around in you know yeah. nothing of an environment it's like they're gonna <laughs> be um interacting with other forms of life but um and it is interesting what Swedenborg says about how I think he talks about how like the different levels of heaven wherein you're on a lower level of heaven or in the spirit in the world of spirits, um, which is midway between heaven and hell, then you, you maybe don't have that knowledge that some creature that keeps showing up in your life is this reflection mm. of a part of your spirit. It's like that, that is information that would, that is coming from a higher part of your mind. And so I would guess that there is, I don't know about the one-to-one -one thing, but just, I liked what you were saying, um, your grandma was saying about mm -hmm. that. I was re reading recently about how everything in the natural world is coming from some sort of influx from the spiritual world. And so there's got to be a spiritual origin of all of these, you know, animals and species that we're interacting mm -hmm. with. Yeah. And, and, uh, there, cause there can't be, there's no time, you know, you can't, there was this animal, but now it's, there's not like when, you know, like if, if, the, if there's a, everything is the origin originates in the divine 
it's programming has to be somewhere, you know, uh, like it can't be that it's that remember back when there was that thing X because there's whatever its essence is has to be there. And to further complicate things before we give this question up, animals are correspondences, but so are people. I mean, people are sort of the table of contents, but we're all like a reflection of of God. You know, the, the Swedenborg says the human form is in every animal, even in rocks and things like that. And mm-hmm. that the Swedenborg would see people as course. Who you know, you could see animals as a correspondence to an infection. But he just, I just was reading where he said, I saw mar- married love represented by a woman in a cloud. You know, like people can be correspondences right. as well. So let's let's take a zero on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you, do you guys want to do that? Okay. And let, anything else? Well, I have one more. Sure. Thought yeah. Yeah. Just that everything in the spiritual world, from what I understand, is even more alive. Like, I think what's going to be striking about it is that things are more alive rather than in this world. So if Mm -hmm. you saw, you know, an eagle or a beautiful tree or whatever in the other world, it's even more alive than in this world. So I don't think there's less life on that side. That's that's a good way to leave it. All right. Thanks, Mark. Let's look at the next one. Yokopo, in heaven, how can one be useful to someone when it seems that everything is provided? What Mm. is to be given... If nothing is lacking, what's the point of life? Yeah, if we've all got, we don't need people to make us food. What what can we do for each other? Cara, do you have anything you want to like? And isn't isn't the need to do things for other people a decently important part of heaven, as as Swedenborg describes it? Definitely an important part of heaven. I think it's all about service service to one another. I mean, a kingdom is a heaven of uses, is yeah. what Swedenborg says. So I personally think it's really fun to make apple pies and give them to people. So I hope that that's going to happen, even though I suppose you could wake up and have a pie on your counter <laughs> already. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe it's there because I made it. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to answer well, that. And that's, well, th- there's... Um, Everything turns into what corresponds. So you love to make apple pies. Mm. Whatever the essence of that, whatever the essence of that service is, you would be doing that. You know, there's a there's a new spiritual need, like, like, um, mm. you know, like an app, whatever an apple pie is on a deeper level. You're making that thing for them. And he says that there are. He talks about the, the number of uses of useful things people can do for each other. He says it's much greater than in this mm-hmm. world, and it it, it has. The, it's primarily not about bodily needs, but about what you would you could call psychological needs. This is people that are leading people into heaven, people who are educating people, people who are stopping people from harming each other, and a bunch that we can't conceptualize because we're not speaking that language. Like, oh, you can do that. People mm-hmm. need that. There's still needs. There are these these groupings like family groupings because there is the the need for. Um, for the various kinds of support in the cause and the, the the foundation of joy in heaven is serving somebody else or serving the common good. So the common good's got to have some kind of need. But what what are what is it? What, what what kinds of things do we do? I I would um I'm interested to reflect on this question that um when you look even in this world uh I think in some ways this world is becoming a little more like the spiritual world over time because there was a time when almost everybody had to work constantly just to sort of get food, mm-hmm. just to keep people's physical bodies alive and to you know, get enough food and, and to work out the shelter thing and so on. 
more and more things are drifting in the, away from, you know, in the U.S. are drifting away from manufacturing into more of a service economy and that kind of thing because mm-hmm. we've got machines and we've got things or things are made elsewhere in the world or whatever. So we don't have to do as much. So it would be hard to even describe to a medieval farmer. So what do you do? Well, I underwrite, you know, insurance policies for, you know, well, yes. what is that? <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what are you talking about? You know, and so we're already moving in that direction, I think. I've thought about the economy in the other world, and it must be kind of bizarre because you don't have uh, translators. That's what I do for a living. You don't have uh, <laughs> undertakers. You don't have, you know. That's what I do for you, a There are no hospitals. No, you know, there are yeah. the things that you don't sure. need. And yet, uh, as Carl was saying, the, the, the service, I think, is really basic. It's more and more of a service economy where then you take care of, you know, what's happened in our world is, more people are psychologists and counselors or what, you know, and I think there'll be more and more of that kind of thing. Healing the mind, making apple pies would be like sharing your delight with someone else, I think, you know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, and the music's probably really good up there. Yeah, well, and that's a great point. There are so many more jobs and uses that people have now. You know, that there, all this equipment that we're using to make this show possible People had to design that and make that, and the people that keep the internet running. There's all exactly try to explain it to someone a couple hundred years ago. So it's that same leap to what do you do in the spiritual world? We well, got to keep the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> from a from a like bigger like grand scheme of things. I feel like how can someone be useful to someone when it seems that everything is provided? Like the nature of God is that. Like, God didn't just create people for fun. He's creating humans because it's an essential part of who God is. Like, God is love itself, but love is nothing apart from wisdom. And wisdom is the form of love. So we are, you know, we are the form of God's love. And God can't, like, God is wisdom itself, but that only is, you know, wisdom and love together in usefulness or in creation. And so you can't have this uncreated you know, what Sweden works as the under the underlying divine reality without, you know, its capacity to, to become to manifest. And so you need to have this God needs people, you know, and that's why in, you know, the Bible, it says, you know, if you've done it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And and that you can't, you know, he needed to become human in this world, too, to be able to have somebody we could be interacting with directly, you know, so it's not just. Um, you know, that soul needs a body. And so the soul of divinity, you know, love itself needs a body, and that body is heaven. Like Swedenborg says, that heaven is that image of of the Lord. And so we're all parts of it, you know, that are serving each other. So I feel like we have to be useful to each other in heaven because everything is being provided. Like, we are the providers, and Mm. we get to be that, those vehicles of of the Lord's love. It's not like heaven is just like where we all sit around and the Lord feeds us. <laughs> like right. we've got to be doing it for each other. Mm-hmm. And, and even, I, I know her question is like in heaven, how can we be useful to someone when it seems that everything's provided? Like in this world, all of our spiritual needs are being provided for too, you know? And so, um, and yet that still is requiring the Lord works through people, you know, like that's, the whole that whole story the parable of like the guy on the roof praying to god to save him from this flood and all these boats go by if you come on can you get in my boat i'll take you to the nearest no god's got my back it's all right you know it's like 
that's going to still be true in heaven. You know, you're not just going to be, we're going to be working through each other. And that's part of the, you know, the fun of it, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. God doesn't work apart from means. Swedenborg makes these sweeping statements like people are, are housed gratis clothes gratis like how exactly i wouldn't be right. surprised if there weren't actually people part of that process in some way i remember hearing about a near-death experience where they saw like angels making a baby meaning like in in like a human's mm. womb there was all these angels working on it and they had like clipboards and like pocket protectors <laughs> like this was their project and they were like more excited than than we were we were for the baby you know for them the people were and they were just all putting it together so mm. there's that and then I, and the, the Swedenborg says it, marriages in heaven produce good goodness and truth rather than children what is that like the, one of your uses is you produce new goodness and truth who knows what that is yeah, so right stuff the, might the, be bringing apple pies to your neighbor bringing ap- <laughs> at just yeah. the right time what, whatever right when they were just like there are no apple pies in <laughs> i don't know i don't know what to believe anymore i yeah. heard someone say at some point that um uh in this world we make the buildings but the trees just sort of grow spontaneously and in the spiritual world uh, the buildings appear spontaneously, but they make the trees. Ah, oh, yeah. That was just what someone saw in their spiritual experience mm-hmm. that, that they're so they're making the plants and the trees and the things like that. Oh, Sounds that's cool. Co- yeah, mm-hmm. like a farmer, like a like a, like a hyped up farmer. Right. right, right. So <laughs> the Yokopo, the Swedenborg says that heavenly joy is the joy of serving someone else. So there's got to right. be enough stuff to do. Um, and it's it's stuff that the the effect of it is greater than the effect of natural stuff. So right now you can feed someone that really helps them. That's what we try to do on this planet. But the spiritual stuff that we're doing for each other in heaven actually has a greater impact, and whatever that is. I so, guess. Okay. Sorry, you're wrapping yeah, up this question. And we'll go to the next. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell by my tone of voice. That's my like wrap it up. Tone. Yeah, but, All right. But I was just thinking about how. Um, you know, part of Jesus is coming that Swedenborg says is that now we all get to connect directly to the Lord. That, like that there was a time before where humans on this earth actually connected to God through heaven more. Mm-hmm. That was more the dominant way. And now there's been the shift spiritually so we can each connect directly to the Lord. And so that's what angels are, people who have just opened up to that inner connection to the Lord and then want to you know, heaven is heaven because everybody has opened up to this desire to want to serve each other and love each other and share this connection that they have inside and help other people. So it's like, it is that, you know, heaven is nothing apart from the people who are there wanting to be useful to each other. Like, so it's, I don't know, I'm just getting this sense of like, heaven's going to be this awesome party. <laughs> it's be great. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you want to see more of that, what the Jesus and the new way to connection, we did an episode that was called Why Jesus Was Born. Mm-hmm. And that we go into that there. Wrapping this one up. Yes. That, you know, we, you, obviously, you could talk about this. You know, you could do a whole show about that. So the, and this yeah, part yeah, of the benefit of doing question. these question shows is that, oh, yeah, we, we should yeah, do a show. Do about. That we've show. been doing this show, this Swedenborg show, for... Um, a year and a half or something, and, and I still don't feel like we got to recycle topics, you know, which is mm. <laughs> for somebody's nightmare. To, you're going to keep doing more and more, but for us, it's like, yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's see the next uh, the next question. Kendall, did Swedenborg ever say anything about the lake of fire? Did he? Yes. Sure. 
Okay, that's the next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I think I think Chelsea, you said yes first. Go ahead. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> um, I guess well, the first thing that comes to my mind about the Lake of Fire is that hell is the association you get with other people when you've, you know, made your life about love of self, as Swedenborg says. That that's like that's this lowest part of all of us. That if it didn't have sort of a higher thoughtfulness of others tempering it we would be nothing but just this love of self that just wants other people to totally serve and we would want to be gods and you know have dominion over everybody else and um and so that just as divine love is imaged as a fire you know as like this beautiful fire of like the sun of the spiritual world the love of self is sort of its opposite fire um which is uh this love of self. And so um, I'm interested in what JSR here is going to say, maybe more specifically about like biblical mentionings of the lake of fire, but in general, this sense of like hell is where the love of self rules. And so it's sort of burning with these self-serving passions and cravings and just wanting to dominate. And that's just what's got the lead. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Right. It's a, it's a world of, um, like the lake of fire is an appearance, it's a way things that appear. So uh, Swedenborg says that evil spirits in hell, the Lord loves evil spirits, wants to take care of them any way he possibly can. They're not living it. They're not in burning flames or having their skin scalded off or something like that. Uh, they're, it's perfectly comfortable temperature. They feel <laughs> fine and all that kind of stuff. The only thing that sort of disturbs their world is when the light of heaven shines in. And then they feel cold, actually, mm. in comparison, because they don't have love in their hearts and so on. But most of the time, the Lord shields them from having that awful experience of the light of heaven coming in. Um, so the fire, as Chelsea was saying, I think has to do with those lusts, with, with uh, evil desires. Uh, and the reason it's called a lake, water seeks its own level. So it goes down to the lowest, you know, wherever you are, you can tell where the lowest piece of land is because mm. that's, you know, that's where the water is. And so it's a lake of fire because that's down in the lowest area. Um, those desires are in the outermost parts of ourselves. And people who haven't wanted to open up to something more spiritual inside, uh, that's why it's called a lake, I think, so mm -hmm. the lake of fire. And so he says mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a correspondence, but it is really a, a, a whole area of people uh, in the outsides of the spiritual world that, that uh, have, are affected by those lusts. Yeah, absolutely. Cara, do you have any thoughts on the lake of fire? Mm -hmm. I'm surprised none of you mentioned that it's a lake because there are falsities in abundance. Mm -hmm. And just kidding, um, Matt handed me a phone that had that <laughs> a number like written on it. So. <laughs> Craig, Craig in the chat. Oh, one of the people Whoa, in the nice, chat. Craig. Oh, okay, oh, so man. the problem is. Good job, Craig. But the problem is, as these people find search engines for Swedenborg very quickly, it's going to be over. Yeah, However, yeah, that's right. Our yeah. usefulness will diminish. <laughs> but that is that is a cool. I love it when correspondences are tight, meaning yes. a lake, a liquid water is always either truth or falsity. Right. Know? So that it's a lake of fire because the, the fire part is the evil and the lake part is the, the falsity. Which, yeah. If I'm probably That's getting more awesome. excited about that than I should be. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, that makes sense correspondentially. Yeah. So the yeah. lake of fire, like we were saying before, 
animals can be an image of somebody's affection. Like, you know, some nice birds or nice little bunnies, somebody has innocence or love inside them. That the, the thing inside a person psychologically that would make them hate other people in comparison with themselves and the delusions that accompany that, if you were to see that as an, as an external thing, it would be a lake of fire. Mm-hmm. So that's what that whole thing is. Awesome. Cool. Um, all right. So there we go. One for Craig, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. That's right. <laughs> We're at negative one right now. Okay. Let's take a look at the next one. Megan, I think feeling grief is important when the people you love die. It feels like a geography you travel to find the eternal love from our loved ones and God. What does Swedenborg say about grief? Kara, I think that he doesn't say that much. No, not in terms of the way we talk about grief in in our culture currently. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems to me to be a development of the psychological sort of awakening that has happened not that many years ago. And Swedenborg was writing before that kind of thinking was going before on. Modern I believe, before modern yeah. psychology. So he doesn't really address yeah. things in the same way that we... So he doesn't talk a lot about the grief process uh, like we would. But I think we... Do we have thoughts on that? All, all the same? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I kind of cut you off. <laughs> I just like sometimes things that are so amazing come to me that I'm like, I've got to say gotta it. You've got to say it. I'm so now. glad you do that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just thinking that, of course, uh, what did you say? Grief is important. Yeah. Of course, when you lose... I mean, love is spiritual connection. So, of course, when that feels like it goes away, there's a process to go through about having that connection disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not to be ignored or thought, right, thinking right. because I know some because I watched the show about the afterlife. Uh, I shouldn't feel sad when somebody dies. I mean, this, right, this is right. this is a this is a very real thing. Um, to, to to a big yeah. part of us. So, yeah, do did, did you have some thoughts? Swedenborg um, occasionally uses the word grief. He uses a Latin word, dolor, that means pain. Uh, you know, it can be different kinds of pain. The, you know, people were obviously familiar with the sensation of grief and so on. And Swedenborg was interested in psychology, even though there wasn't such a thing yet. But he was very interested in how feelings work in the mind and thoughts and and that kind of stuff so he was sort of trying to move in that direction but he really never that i can find uses the word grief about sort of what you go through after somebody dies he Mm. talks about when you're going through misfortune or illness or loss in general you know the loss of a job or loss whatever it is there's sort of a blanket thing that he talks about sometimes in connection with that I would have to say that, uh, meaning no disrespect to Swedenborg, but Megan's statement there is 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 more beautiful than Swedenborg. Anything he ever said about it, it yeah. feels like a geography you travel to. You know, like grief is a territory that you go through in search of this this love. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sometimes done uh, funeral services for people, and it feels like you're sort of chasing the essence of the person through you know, some spiritual territory. You're trying to find out who are mm. you or something. Mm. So I re- I think that's very eloquent, very nicely put. Cool. So, yeah. We'll, we'll just put that out and say Swedenborg and put it out as one of our <laughs> Yeah, that's right. There's there's a one passage in Swedenborg, I think it's in the early, the volume one of Secrets of Heaven, where he's talking about the seven days of creation. And somewhere in there, talking about the seventh day, he says, you know, God does not rest until love takes the lead. 
Um, and so just in terms of, you know, Swedenborg doesn't talk about grief, but he talks about process and, and sort of is part mm-hmm. of his agenda was to be reveal how much process is written into the Bible. It's written into our lives. And that's something we sort of forget about or lose sight of if we're just, that's just, um, an affirming part of his whole thing. And so there's the seven days of creation. It's this whole process of our spiritual rebirth, the children of Israel traveling through the wilderness, this whole process to get to the promised land. Um, and uh, that I think grief, kind of like those seven days, it's like the Lord isn't going to rest until love takes the lead. Like he's going to use anything in our life, even, you know, the pain of losing a loved one to as something to connect us to love, you know, as, use that as a means to help us get love into the leading position, you know, realize its place. Um, and so that's sort of a tangent, but how I see Swedenborg indirectly talking about grief. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, and something, something that's important to, to realize is that sometimes you have the unfortunate situation where, as I alluded to earlier, uh, people think, well, if I really believe in afterlife, I shouldn't feel sad when, when somebody dies because mm. aren't they still alive? But, but that Swedenborg does talk about Re, people being reunited on the other side and the joy that the company's mm-hmm. there. There is a very, there's a natural level to us that only knows this world. You know, that there is, it just sees what it can see. It's sort of the, the most, um, outermost, like just really immediate sensory level of us. And I think that that level is incapable of, of believing that there's an afterlife that it hasn't mm-hmm. seen. Maybe if you had had a lot of experiences, but so to a very real and good part of you, that, that part is, it just needs to be in its right place. But to that part of you, that person is gone, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you're younger, but, but even, even as an adult, they're gone. So that, that is, there's this sadness that is just going to take a hold of you. And, you know, that, 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 that part will be reassured when you, when you reunite, but in the time, give that part of you the space it needs and don't tell it that it's not supposed to grieve. All the psychology about grief is saying, grieve how you need to, grieve in your own way. Don't try to mold your grief to expectations. So don't let us on this show give you any expectations about how you should feel about that. No shoulds. Go go do what what you need to do or, or, you know, know that other people are are taking their their journey through that too. So, okay. Let's let's, uh, do the next one. Okay. Thanks, Megan. That was great. Marvin, what is the best biography of Swedenborg? <laughs> oh, man, did anybody here write one? I can say just my favorite. Sure. Is the Swedenborg epic by Serial Sigstedt? That's right. Right? Okay. Um, and it was published in the 1950s, I guess. I don't know if it's had a re-anything, probably, but um, but that's available somewhere, and it. I just really enjoyed it as far as a very well-researched and detailed um, go through of Swedenborg's lifespan and and then the times when he was writing the different books and everything. So that's my suggestion. Yeah, that's that would be my favorite too. Um, her first name is C Y R I E L, last name S I G S T E D T. Serial Sigstedt, the Swedenborg yeah. epic, nineteen fifty two. I think was the original publication date. I think in the nineteen eighties they came out with a basically just a reprint it wasn't a you know reworked or whatever so it should be findable online i hope and uh it's just sort of kind of there there are a number of biographies of swedenborg and there are lots that have sort of scholarly information and so forth 
uh, hers is just written somewhat as a kind of a story, and she gets into sort of the poetry of it mm. a little bit too, and and uh, so I just find that useful. Mm. It's yeah, a, it's I don't good, think I've read that. It's one. A, it's a fun readable. One. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds good. Read. It's good. Um, Cara, do you have any? I was. I'm not trying to suck up, but NCE, <laughs> the essay volume is mm. not like a yeah, full biography. <laughs> Of Swedenborg. Is it a full biography? I don't remember. I, it was one of the first NCE things it, I it read. Just, it has about 40-plus pages at the beginning with a brief biography. Brief bio. But that is a nice, that's but accessible. I, I felt like that, when I was reading that, it also has like letters that he had written in it. And this and that I, that, that was one book that really got me to understand uh, the man in his life. And I felt like that, that actually that actually gave me a greater appreciation of the, the teachings and the material. Mm. Just to see it, like see him... Definitely. Him writing a letter to somebody and, and including some of the same concept. I don't know. I like that one too. So, and that's got to be a free download on. I think so. Yeah, the title in paperback is "Scribe of Heaven." Scribe of Heaven. Yeah. And uh, in the hardcover, it's called Emanuel Swedenborg Essays for the New Century Edition on his life, work, and impact. Um, so, Jonathan Rose Stewart Shotwell, Mary Lou Bertucci, editors. Um, so. There you go. And that is, that is, I mean, that's a great volume. It's really yes. neat. There you go. Put that so together. hopefully uh, that answers your question, if you can remember that. The first person's name, that's like the hardest name to Google in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you usually can type it in and Google will know what you're trying to say. But that right, name, right. Right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. Okay, so thanks, Marvin, for that question. Let's take a look at our next one here. Jim, so is Swedenborg saying that some evil is not allowed to happen? What if my will is to kill my neighbor, yet divine providence has another plan for my neighbor? Mm. So free will, but um, but not free will, because not all evil plans come to fruition. We had a show called Why Bad Things Happen, and so that things have to be seen. But obviously, there's a million evil schemes that are thwarted before they ever get there. So why? That's the question. Right. Yeah, I agree that just so many, I think anybody who's a parent of young children, or they say that with people who, who are drunk driving home from the tavern or whatever, you know, mm. so many more accidents could happen than happen. Uh, right. Right. It does seem like uh, the Lord is watching over us. And yet that sort of begs the question, why do some bad things happen? Um, the way what I've, I've just been reading the chapter on divine providence in New Jerusalem is suddenly teachings that Kara was referring to earlier. And um, Swedenborg talks about the fact that there are things that the Lord wills and things that he can accept and things that he cannot prevent because of the general rules of freedom and, and all, that, all that sort of thing. Uh, so there's a lot of evil that's rejected, right? You, you know, I think the amount yeah. of evil that would manifest compared to what does mm -hmm would just be staggering. You know, I mean, the human, we'd all just kill each other and the whole human race would be wiped out. Uh, but uh, right. the plan, I think of the plan of divine providence is not, I was just thinking of it recently as more, I don't know how good an analogy this is, but uh, more like a video game that has a ton of options, like the person who's playing the game has all sorts of free <laughs> choice. You can do this, you can do that, you know, and so the, yeah. the plan, quote unquote, is just the program yep. of the video game. That means if you do this, then this you'll have these options. Mm. If you do that, you'll have these options. You know, so freedom is built in. It's not like there's one plan sitting there saying, "Well, no, I'm sorry, you can't kill that person because that's not 
Yeah. Uh, it's it's more complex than that. Uh, but because the Lord cares even more about eternal things than he does about temporal things, uh, it, the, and he cares tremendously about freedom, there are things that he just, he cannot, he'd love to prevent all of it, but you just can't, you know, you can't. I, I think again of the analogy of parenting small children where, that you just you just can't say no to every request all day. You know you just yeah. can't. Just <laughs> now and then there has to be a yes. There right. has to be a sure. You know, or you can have this, or you can have it your way. You, you know, you you can't. The the relationship's not going to work if it's just all no. And I think that's the kind of thing that the Lord is negotiating with us. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I just think, like, I think of my own. I have three small kids, and I often find myself like, well, I want to respect their freedom of choice. So I say, your choice is to either get in the car or have me put you in the car. <laughs> like, yeah. And so your freedom is respected, right. but your choices are limited. <laughs> and and I think about that in terms of, um, I think about like, some evil is not allowed to happen. I kind of feel like, why is some good not allowed to happen? Like, I have a hard enough time trying to plan mm. good things to do and get them to actually take root, you know, do something. <laughs> like, you just, whether you're trying to do good or evil, there's something else in charge, or, or it helps me, at least, to think that Providence has got it under control so that it's not up to me to make sure I have to do all of these good things that I maybe am thinking about doing. Mm. Um, like, there's sort of a... Uh, you know, you think about, I don't know, I guess sort of like water flowing, you know, like it's going to take a path. There's going to be something that just kind of hedges you go moving forward, whether you're heading towards evil or goodness. And um, I think about, uh, oh, it just slipped my mind. There was some other thought of, ah, Gone. That was the, that was back. divine providence. <laughs> yeah. Why was that? Why was that one thought yeah. allowed to come out? Back. We but saw the it other happening. happening. It came back. It came back. Okay, we never mind. There was right no now. divine providence. No, but that was a perfect example. Yeah. You know, why do we lose our minds? We just yeah. do. Um, but uh, uh, there's that great quote. You can tell me the chapter and verse, but it's um, you know, don't you, you know, you think planning oh let's move to the oh, city right. go make a profit but you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow why don't you just say you know if god wills i will do this or that thing you know like mm -hmm. so it's just there's you know there's a god and i know he's not me <laughs> right. that's sort of what, right. what it comes back to swedenborg has this interesting juxtaposition of freedom is essential you got to have freedom if we didn't have free will we'd all be dead human prudence is nothing uh, he says that mm. that that our we we think life is going according to how we plan it and act, but he described human prudence is like little flecks of dust that that blow away in the wind as compared to the sky, which is divine providence. And so that makes me think that the free will is not necessarily you get to choose what you want to do and what you want to try to do, but not what necessarily what will happen. And it's something that's going to happen has to have a, a pretty good resume in order to be a thing that happens. Right, if it's right. an evil thing, you have to be accomplishing. And Swedenborg lists in his, this is in our <laughs> right. Why Do Bad Things Happen episode, he lists like um, it has to, evils have to be seen before they, they can be removed. That one reason why bad things are allowed to happen is if, if I didn't ever know I had that tendency, I could never purge myself of it. However, it could be that, um, 
you know, let's say that uh, I'm jealous of Matt, right, who's doing the graphics, <laughs> and I decide I'm going to go wipe his files off his computer because then he'll look bad. So if I go there and someone catches me about to do it, um, that may be enough for me to see that I've got that evil without having to lose right. those files, you know. So there's, sorry to use such a, a bone chilling example, but, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, like the, there's there's reasons that yeah. things get to happen, and how exactly each action can or can't fulfill. There's there's so many factors, and human prudence is nothing. So mm-hmm. the the reason why specific things, Jim, are, are allowed to happen and why others aren't is beyond us. Mm-hmm. We, we can know some generalities, but uh, divine providence is, is minimizing the hurt that's allowed to, and bad things can only happen if, in the end, it's a net positive. So. Right. 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 I back up all my files. Matt backs up all his files. <laughs> so he's, Matt is not waiting around for divine providence. <laughs> okay, let's, let's go to the next one. Rosie, mm. how do you find your spiritual <laughs> self? Is that a... Did we just get that question? Because we did an episode on that, didn't we? Mm-hmm. It's called how, how, to, oh, true self. how do you find your true self? Now, is that is that different uh, spiritual self? How so, do you find your spiritual self? What do you guys think? Have you first? Have you guys found your spiritual selves? I have I, so many different like traditions coming into my head when I think about that question. It's hard to say like, well, do you want the strictly Swedenborg well, answer okay. or do let's, you want my let's evolved start, answer? What is that? What does that question mean? To you. So, Cara, what, what does it mean? How do you find your spiritual self? Like, what is a spiritual self and what would finding it look like? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I have to think about that one sure. for a while. Okay. But um, I guess it would be a finding, a coming to some kind of um, comfort with who you are, your relation to other people, your relation to God. Um, that's all I can think of. <laughs> that's, I mean, I wouldn't mind having that. You know, that's right. If we can get there. Okay, does he, Jonathan? Yeah, the first thought that came to me was that we uh, everybody has one at birth. Like, it's part of the being created human. Um, a spiritual self. You've got yeah. a spiritual self. But Swedenborg says it's neither open nor closed, whatever that means. It's sort mm-hmm. of like a, a potential that hasn't been explored yet. And then if we really turn toward the dark side, we can kind of try to slam that thing shut. Uh, if we turn in a good direction, then we can open it. So, mm-hmm. so I reframe it a little bit in terms of uh, what actions do we have to take with our lower self in our day-to-day life in order to become more aware of or more connected with uh, the spiritual self. And Swedenborg talks a lot about this process of how... At first, the spiritual self, it's an odd example maybe, but in Scripture, there's a whole bunch of younger of twins who conquers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always the younger of the two. Like it, e- it should be the Esau oldest. Esau, Jacob, Jacob and Esau yeah. and other pairs and, and so on. The, um, and uh, what that, the spiritual is sort of the younger one. Uh, so your earthly self gets out ahead. David was young, like he had six or seven older brothers, um, but he's the, the really spiritual one. The other parts of yourself develop earlier. And um, so that spiritual self starts out quite weak uh, 
even as it's growing. And Swedenborg says it grows just like, uh, you know, labor, delivery, teenagers. childhood, mm -hmm. you know, teenager, you know, d develops in the same way. And so it starts out quite weak relative to your lower self. And the a big factor in our life is sort of this wrestling match mm -hmm. between these two selves until the point at which the spiritual self gains the upper hand, uh, ideally, and the lower self starts to work for the for the spiritual self. Yeah. yeah. You're um, looking skeptical. Well, no, no, I'm just suddenly, you made me realize semantics, spiritual self, you know, there's the spiritual self that you're talking about in the Swedenborgian <coughs> sense, which is like this inner part of you that's that's more morally sound, that kind of thing. Right. However, like the spirit of you is your consciousness. You know, like the, the, right. the, the body isn't conscious. Is that what she means? It's, uh, I always right. don't know exactly what people mean. Right, so, right. so there, you, you get, that's a good outline of the, the Swedenborgian. If, if for some reason, if you're asking, like, how do you find your spirit, the part of you that can look for anything is, a, is your spirit. Swedenborg mm, says that the right. conscious part of you is the spirit. Mm. So I don't know if that's what, but just in case, I'm going to hedge that thing that's there. Good. But I wasn't skeptical at all about your okay. answer. I thought <laughs> I was learning as you were talking. So, Chelsea. I think the... Like he was saying, guessing, how do you find your spiritual self? There's that whole, you know, just the sort of your true self or your higher self or something that yeah. all that language um, that that uh, I see most alignment with that, with what Swedenborg talks about, sort of an opened inner self, you know, because he talks about the outer self or our lower self and our inner self. And sometimes our inner self can be sort of not opened, like caught up, just being ruled by the outer self, actually. Um but then when it learns how to reflect, when you start practicing reflection, then your inner self can start to open up to heaven. And then, and then like you said, it's gaining muscle, it's, it's developing. And so then it gets a clearer or a stronger connection, or I guess it just gets more and more open to heaven's inflow, or, and I guess it, you know, how it relates with your outer self. Um, and so uh, I love what Swedenborg says about that, reflection is so key. This practice, like it's tied into his emphasis on um, repentance that just the, he says people who lack reflection know that they are, but not what they are. Mm -hmm. So like there's a, there, when you start to realize you have different levels of thought that you can be thinking about what you're thinking and, <clears throat> and that if you, you know, some people in other traditions might call it the witness perspective, you know, being able to see look down on, oh, I just wanted to do this thing and maybe I don't want to do that thing. That's that beginning muscle of that spiritual self. And mm -hmm. if that's what the part of you or that inner self that's connecting to heaven. Um, and so in addition to just like the basic practice of like thinking about what would be the good thing to do, you know, like the 10 commandments are just like just basic kindness to others and don't hurt other people. Mm. Um, you know, in what is it Isaiah or something it says cease to do evil learn to do good so it's just like use that upper level thinking to just stop doing the things that are hurting yourself and others <laughs> you know just sort of mm -hmm. try to work that the muscle's going to be weak at first but you just sort of keep yeah. trying and then um and then Swedenborg also talks about the importance of giving the inner self something to work with um more material from your outer self like if your outer mm -hmm. self is only looking at you know, I was just going to say looking at pornography and like drinking alcohol or something, your inner self isn't going to have a lot to work with, mm -hmm. even though you're saying, oh, I really shouldn't be doing these things or something. But if you are giving it more material, you know, 
reading that's why there is sacred scripture or just like mm-hmm. positive input um ideas literally just information truth like that's what that spiritual self that inner self will work with and start to use and it'll that's sort of like the sort of like the muscle protein or something that mm-hmm. is going to build up this muscle mm-hmm. so that you start to have a more aware sense of when you wake up in the morning oh yeah i have this inner self part that's active in me and i don't have to just do exactly you know do the same old thing i do every day i can live with more purpose or more sense of this inner who am i you know in that deepest part or something mm-hmm. i want to recommend episodes we did one that was called how to find your true self so that you can google that or search on youtube for that that one might be helpful i also feel like we did an episode called what the seven days of creation mean and that is a story sort of about the creation of the inner mm-hmm. self or the, the, the awakening of the inner self. So you might like that one too. Um, are you guys cool with one more question? Mm-hmm. We'll just go a couple minutes okay. over. I just mm-hmm. want, I wanted to, everyone, this is going to be the last question. I'm sorry we didn't get to all the questions, but we'll try to, you know, answer them uh, in post. But also, you guys can just look them up on the web as, as we found out uh, the answers. <laughs> to okay, so let's take a look at the very last question for today. Cameron. <laughs> Is the law of attraction in heaven? If so, are you surprised if someone or something meets you and as only the Lord knows our hearts? Mm. Law of attraction. Is everybody familiar here with what the law of attraction is? It's kind of like good thoughts draw good things to you kind of thing. As I understand it, it is, yeah, that, well, there's there's a couple different iterations of it, but it's like people will use it as, if you're thinking about something, you bring that thing into your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, base, uh, and it may uh, one way to state it, and this may be showing my ignorance of what people are saying it is, but is that you bring the things that are in your life into your life. Uh, and mm-hmm. I feel like with the law of attraction, there's sort of a yes and a no from Swedenborg because he certainly says in the spiritual world, like attracts like. I mean, that that's yes. how heaven and hell form because heaven is good people right. magnetizing together. Hell is bad people magnetizing together. On the other hand, as we were saying, with why do bad things happen? It is not, you know, if you if your car is stolen, it's not because you weren't projecting enough confidence in your car or something like that. Right. So does that so I so we may not even know what the law of attraction is. Let's go ahead and talk about whether or not it exists in heaven. Does any do you guys have any any further thoughts on that? I think the um I, I'm not sure, but I think the uh, because in some ways Swedenborg says that the angels have a most perfect knowledge of the past and the future and, and things like that, but they live very much in the present moment. I tend to think that they're surprised all the time and more mm. and more surprised. You know, I I don't think it's that they, oh I, you know, oh I knew that was going to happen. I knew it. <laughs> you know, part of the delight of life is that uh, my sense of divine providence is that. He's like life is like this Easter egg hunt, and he's hidden these cute little things all over our lives. And sometimes you don't see them or appreciate them, but then after a while, you go, Oh, wait, there's another one. Wow, that's so loving. Look at that. That's such a kind thing. You know, I, I think I think there's a lot of um, a lot of surprises. I think there's a lot of wonderful surprises in store for us after we pass on to the other world where we see that there was much more perfection in our lives than we realized and we were better taken care of than we had any idea and mm. you know there's more love and mercy in the whole thing and so on um so i think the lord i i mean for somebody who's all about divine truth he's very very sneaky yeah in my experience very sneaky and and uh so 
you know, and you see this image of Jesus in, in the New Testament where he's going up secretly to Jerusalem and, you know, and he slips through the crowd sort of invisibly. And, and that to me is a little bit of the way that the Lord can move in our lives that he's, he's just, if you saw up his divine sleeve, it's just stuffed with aces and they're just falling yeah. out. You know? <laughs> but right, we so, don't have a graphic of that. No, <laughs> unfortunately. Matt hasn't created that one yet. So surprises and, and there, um, are you surprised when somebody uh, shows up because does only the Lord know our hearts. Um, Swedenborg went through an initial phase where he was quite surprised that that spirits and angels could know what he was thinking. Oh, right. He, he talks about the, the, so he was pre <laughs> becoming Swedenborgy. You know, he was just a normal person like all of us walking around, sort of thinking, "I have this exclusive audience with myself in my head." His part of his process of spiritual awakening was coming into this awareness of the spiritual world. And not only that, but that his thoughts were basically being yelled in, in all directions that, that, that angels and spirits could know. So he had an initial period of like, that's weird. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, but he grew. It, it was an acquired taste for him. He grew to like it a lot. So he never talks about, he, he'll a lot of time talk about being in heaven. He's thinking about something that draws something to him. He doesn't from then on talk about that surprise. So I'd imagine the more you get to be a native in that world, the more you're right. like, of course, this person's here because I was I was thinking about him. Now, is the, as only the Lord knows our hearts. Are there deeper levels of of us that we don't even I didn't even realize I was thinking about that and it shows up. Yeah. The answer is I don't know. I, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I think some of the most answered prayers in my life have been things I didn't realize I desired, but I was yeah. praying and desiring them, you know, in a mm. deep part of myself. Yeah, and I, I really don't know if I'm wishing for a new car or not, you know? So <laughs> if one shows up because my other car is getting pretty old, that would be so surprising to me. <clears throat> hint, hint. Okay, sorry. This is... <laughs> Let's get some, some last good thoughts. So is this what happens when we go over sure. 9 o'clock? Or... Here, yeah. Here's a wraparound. Yeah, yeah. I just think, uh, like we were talking about in the beginning of the show about Swedenborg emphasizing the important of, importance of process, and I think that that's process is something that still exists in heaven mm. and to eternity, you know, cycles. He says angels go through cycles and everything. Mm. And, and so that that, you know, life would get dull if we just stopped, if we just sat there and just knew everything all the time. Mm. Um, and what's coming to my mind are stories of people who I don't know if they're just in the world of spirits or in heaven, but stories that Swedenborg says about um, leading, you know, somebody's entering heaven and the people meet them and say, oh, let's see if you're part of this society. So they sort of like look the person in their, you know, spirit soul or something and see if it, if the light matches their light or something. And then if it's a yes, then I think they go and find the house for them, like find where they like, so it is kind of like that treasure hunt of like, all right, you are one of us. So let's see where you belong here. And they don't know, they all mm. have to figure it out. And then, and Swedenborg also talks about even kids who are raised in heaven to become angels. You know, they, they meet, uh, people who will become their married partners and um, and that that's a process where they don't just, all right, yeah, I know. I mean, they, he talks about how it's the Lord leading them, how they might have a sense of knowing about it. But I think it is like you guys were saying of maybe there's this, oh, I didn't even know I knew until you get there and then you're, oh yeah, I did know that or something. Mm -hmm. um, so 
So yes, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> what's our What's our final score? Twenty five, thirty, something like that. Thirty three. Thirty three. Yeah, maybe number? that was it. Uh, everybody, <laughs> thanks so much for your questions uh, and, and comments. That really makes this possible. Otherwise, it would have been a long hour of us just sitting here. <laughs> That's um, what we so, always used to do, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back before when we weren't even streaming, we were just people like were sitting asking around. Yeah. Um, so, uh, everybody, thanks for hanging out. Uh, if you enjoyed this program, please like and subscribe. That's going to help uh, more people see this. It will help this video get out there. Uh, we we do this all because people think this is interesting and want to donate to it. You know, we don't charge for this stuff. So, if you want to make a contribution to Swedenborg Foundation, that will help everyone out. Um, so, I want to thank our guests. You guys are awesome. It's just a joy for me to sit here and talk, and hopefully uh, our enthusiasm for this stuff comes through. And we have it because we're spending a lot of time around it. And I don't know about you guys, but it seems like the more I dig into it, the, the better it seems. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a joy for me to get to communicate it with you guys and, and to everybody out there. So thanks to everyone for making this possible. Yeah. Um, and That's uh, right. I hope it's just useful for people <laughs> watching that it can be. You know, impact their life in a positive way. That would be great. Write it in the comments. Okay, (laughs) thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys next week when we're going to be talking about how to create heaven on earth. So see you then.